Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in five, four, three, two, one. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. A fine libations Friday to you and yours, Lucy Goosey. Laid back, conversational, let's have fun, let's get it on. Florida State basketball tomorrow, big time football over the weekend. This is the best round of it all for me. This is what I love. And we have some classic matchups. I'm Jeff, that is Director Matthew filling in for the vacationing Tom Lang, who I spoke to this morning as we conducted the Scuttlebucks, which is up and out if you'd like to listen in to the Scuttlebucks, the wee hours of the morning recording. I say wee hours of the morning, pretty early. Uh, And so it is that uh, we would kind of knock it out that game. Not one that we feel very good about, to be honest with you. Not great, not great. Before we get rolling here, as always, don't forget to like and subscribe if you're uh, watching on War Chant TV, hey, I have a funny story right out the gate. Oh, look at you, Seth. All right, Seth. Happy Libations Friday to you, too. Uh, <laughs> I'll get into your question and read it in a second. Um, I, I, yeah, I, too, like it when a coach can uh, address a player in such a manner that uh, they don't run them off and all of that. So uh, you, you have to be able to criticize and motivate in unique ways. So I would note this really quickly. Uh, you get, you know, I, I don't know. My kid's at an age now where uh, my oldest is, anyhow, where he'll he surfs the web with the best of them. I guess that's never a good thing. Most of the time, it's not. So I don't know if you know this, Matthew. There is a it's it's a very small handful of people, and I'm about to make it larger, apparently, uh, by bringing attention to it. But you'll like it. It'll make you laugh. You'll you'll appreciate this. You may recall at one point I was doing the Sunday Smash with my good buddy Irish Chappelle from Warchant, and uh, I may have said, I may have used some colorful language. You may have been producing at the time. I may have directed it at an individual in the chat. That seems vaguely familiar. So it was, I, I said, I t- somebody was being irrational. 
somebody was being uh, intentionally um, vague, and then later on they asserted things that simply weren't true, and I just got tired of it. Um, but, you know, and I said, so in essence, I, I said, blah, 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 blah. You know, you know what I said. You, you know exactly what I said. Well, so here, people have taken it and used it as a meme. So somebody uses it and connect. Somebody's pointed it to, uh, what's it, the Portnoy guy from um, whatever that network is that everybody. Yeah. So what happens is they took the clip. But they erased the name, and it's just me saying F you. And now it's just you. <laughs> well, my son saw it, and he was like, Dad, I thought you told me not to do that on the Internet. <laughs> Get it together, Dad. And, uh, yeah, it made me laugh. It made me laugh. Uh, I don't care. I mean, whatever. That's Obviously, if I cared, I wouldn't have said it. If only I was recording for half the time I'd been here. I could make millions on memes. Oh, you'd you'd have plenty. You'd have plenty. Uh, yeah, it's good. Hey, Kevin, greetings to you too from Balmy Green Bay. I see up to uh, fifteen now from a morning low of twelve. I, I, Kevin, are you a Florida State guy living in Green Bay, or am I to assume I would think that you're just a big Packers fan in town for the weekend to watch your beloved Green Bay Packers take on the San Francisco Forty ers I don't want to be overly judgmental, uh, but I but I hope it's the latter. I hope you're visiting Green Bay to see the game and root for your Packers. That's I mean that's my hope for you. Although I should probably silence myself, given the fact that I have never been to Green Bay. It could be a bustling town, a metropolis that I'm unaware of, of which uh, the hidden gems are everywhere. I do not know. I do not know. I know, age has its privilege, yeah. Uh, greetings from Brussels, Belgium. All right, Mizzou Ranger, thank you. It is a doff of the cap. Yeah, Lucy, Fridays are very loosey-goosey. Somebody in the chat asked if it would be more FSU today and more NFL. Fridays are all over the map. There's not a lot of FSU going on right now. I mean, I'm not talking about classes of 2023, 2024. So if that's what you're interested in, it ain't happening here. Now, now. Now, if there's a major name, but even then, I think we've learned We've learned you can't be over the moon about a big-time commit for two years down the road. Can't do it. I won't do it. Refuse to do it. You shouldn't either. You can quietly nod your head in a satisfactory manner and say, that seems like a good thing if it comes to fruition, if it happens. But, you know, the likelihood that it will or will not, it's changed radically. It's not recruiting from the days of old. You know, somebody comes sweeping in and give you a million bucks. What are you going to do? Uh, yeah, I would, I would also, I would also say that, um, Florida State basketball will get mentioned right off the bat here. Uh, I, am worried about the game. It's the ACC's top two teams. That's right. Damn it. I'm sure. Think about how, I mean, again, it's mid season and a down year for the ACC. Not a great year. I've got some numbers for you regarding the down year of the ACC. My goodness. But if you if you're a diehard, if you're a basketball diehard, you love the game of college basketball and you in particular, let's say, love and there are plenty of people like this who absolutely love the ACC, which nothing wrong with that. I'm not judging them. That's fine. I mean, in its glorious history, the ACC has been the preeminent 
basketball conference uh, for a long time now. It's not currently, but it has been, so I get it if you are all in on ACC basketball. Like when I was a little kid growing up in St. Petersburg, Florida, you know, no allegiance to any particular uh, conference in basketball, but I was beat over the head by Big East basketball. We all were. You watched Georgetown and Syracuse and St. John's and Providence. and all. You remember that? That was great. It was a lot of fun. And so I, you know, those, those Villanova, those teams could be on and you'd go, oh, I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch this. And I didn't really have a, a dog in the fight. Back then, college basketball teams had greater personality. That's something the sport has lost. And it's just it's just a changing times, and it's fair to let kids leave after a year, and I get all that. But back in the day, that couldn't happen, and so you developed along with the personalities and the games of the individuals on the particular teams that you saw so frequently. So it, 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 that's how Duke rose to be so hated, right? Because you had to see Bobby Hurley and guys like that and Christian Leitner and Grant Hill and others. You'd see them over and over and over again. You'd watch their games emerge. You'd get to know their personalities more, and you'd either fall further in love with them or you'd have greater disdain for them and that was true of all of the teams because they kept coming year in and year out those guys would come back and they developed personalities and so you latched on and I thought that was a, a maybe a more innocent time maybe not a better time but certainly it was an impressionable time in my youth I wish we got to you know especially obviously selfishly Florida State has had recently a number of really fun players to watch play the game. And moreover, because Leonard Hamilton and his staff have a unique culture, and that is something that I refer to all the time, that they have such a unique culture. When you go over there, I can only tell you guys this. When you cover Florida State basketball, and there are a lot of people in this town who do that are friends of mine, and they would all attest to this, whether it's with Warchan or any of the other networks that do so, when, when you get a chance to sit down uh, with CY or Stan or Leonard or really just any of that, that, that staff in general, and Chuck Walsh, the SID, the, the players, the coaches, that's a, a, a family thing. That, that Listen, they demand excellence, but they demand it across the board, on and off the court. There's just so many things about what they've created from a cultural standpoint that you want to be around it and you can really appreciate it and you can enjoy it and embrace it and celebrate it and root for it. And then in addition, the kids that come to it, each one that's new to the program, I can't say that it's 100% this way. There's nothing that's 100% a certain way typically. But kids don't get invited here. They don't get invited here if they aren't willing to acquiesce to a certain standard, a certain way of doing things, a certain commitment to work. And if they don't, if they don't, if they if they think they can do that and they get there and they can't be unselfish and they can't do what's being asked of them, uh, even if it's for a year in the classroom and they can't do those things, then they won't be here. They they leave quickly. So I guess the point would be the guys that come here, even if they're one and done and you barely get to know them a little bit, one of the things that's true, you could assume to be true usually, is that they're a certain type of kid. They're They're a kid that doesn't mind sharing the basketball, doesn't mind sharing minutes, doesn't mind. Uh, whatever Leonard Hamilton's doctrines are, right? They're they're in on that. That's why you notice that Florida State really never, you know, their basketball players, you, you never see any of those guys in trouble. You never see any of those guys with negative headlines. You never really see, I mean, outside of, like, kids being kids in college, maybe missing a class and having to sit the bench for a game or two. But, I mean, it's not any real, you know, problems there. And, and so 
even the newcomers come in and you, man, you just immediately fall in love with the game. You fall in love with who they are and they're impressing you on the court and you know that off the court they're good kids and so you're all in and that's why it's tough when they leave so early. It's really frustrating. And then I, I kind of married that concept with what we were talking about with the way basketball used to be where you got to know them year in and year out and that was a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm laughing at... Uh, I, I will I will ask you this, uh, I guess. If 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 you need game breakdowns for this weekend regarding the the basketball, I'm not gonna spend an hour on it. I am gonna tell you my fear for Saturday, uh or my fear for this game tomorrow at two o'clock at the Watsko Center in Coral Gables, uh, is that we don't have anything in the tank, right? But here's why you hold out hope. Do you guys realize this? And it's fun to bring up on a Libations Friday on a loosey-goosey edition of the show. The ACC's top two teams, which is fun to say, so the Triangle's got to hate that. They, uh, they meet again in a rematch of a game played just 11 days ago, a game I was at, a game that many of you were at, and if you watched it at home or you were in attendance, you know it was electrifying. It was a lot of fun. It was an amazing moment. A lot of cool things happened in that game, uh, not the least of which is uh, Raekwon Evans emerging, hitting those free throws, gaining some confidence, played very well ever since then. All of that dating back to January 11th. FSU leads the all-time series between the two programs. 52 to 36, fairly robust, robust. But here's what here's what I wanted to draw your attention to. That is an eight-game winning streak that we have against Miami. And that dates back to January of 2018. And that's because obviously Florida State, not Miami, but Florida State has emerged as a top four ACC program during that time. Miami hasn't. They were crippled by uh, a series of injuries, which is not their fault. They whiffed on some guys to boot. The program has failed, by and large, certainly to live up to the standards of an elite top-four ACC program like Florida State. And so they've lost eight straight times to FSU. And why do I bring that up? Well, what eight is close to what number, guys? That's right. That's right. It's close to Platinum Bohica status. I can see the Platinum Bohica from where I sit. I don't like to visualize it for too long. But I do want to achieve it. I'd love to achieve it. I want to celebrate a Platinum Bohica over our hated rivals. And, uh, you know, I fear this is the weekend it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Because if you lose here while going for nine, it's another oh-so-close call. And we've been so close. Ever since I invented the Platinum Bohica, we've been on the cusp a couple times over. Think about the, the run we had against the other rival, hated as they are, the University of Florida. We had that run where if you just peeked your head around the corner, you could see the Platinum Bohica. There it is. Look at the Bohica. But it came to an end this year. And while this resurgence and this run and the top two teams in the standings are going to play each other, and that's nice because I could not th- I would have never guessed I was going to say that going into this game. Uh, two weeks ago, if I had said, hey, listen, the ACC's number one and two teams will face each other down in Coral Gables 
They'll be named Miami and Florida State. That's crazy. But, man, so close again. Now I don't even really have to. It's just it sits before me. There it is. I'm not having to peer around anything. There's the Platinum Bohiga. But I don't like it. If I were a betting man, and I am, I would pick Miami. I'm not going to bet against us this weekend. I got a lot of bets on the line this weekend. We got prize picks for you. We got it all. I will look at the game, though. I will, I will mention it. Um, it's uh, it's going to be tough. Though that, that turned out to be a really thrilling game, an aggravating game. Uh, you know, it seems like just yesterday how quickly the time flies. It has only been, uh, as I said, 11 days ago. Uh, it, was a, it was a game in which the quality of play wasn't great the last time we met up. Uh, obviously, we started slow. We fell behind 15-7 to in that game. I think there was uh, about, I don't know, 13 minutes left in the, in the first half, and we were sitting there at 3 of 12 from the floor. We had a couple of point-blank misses. I remember uh, I was with my buddy Andy Mahoney from Orange Theory, and I think I punched him in the arm after we missed uh, one of two layups. He wasn't thrilled with that. We had five turnovers at that point, and I thought, my God, we look ragged. The Canes had been 16, uh, 6 of 13 at the time. They were 3 of 5 from Trey, and it looked like we were going to be in trouble. And then, voila, 13 to 1 run. We went up 20 to 16, 828 to play in the half, and all of a sudden it was on. Let's hope we get off to a faster start this time around. And that second half was an interesting second half, and it'll lead into some of the analysis for this game uh, tomorrow. But it is a short turnaround. This is the third game, five days, just played yesterday. You know this group is going to be on dead legs. Good thing they play a lot of guys. But I think they got to come out shooting. I think they got to come out shooting well early because I, I don't know that they're going to be equipped if they fall behind like they did the first go-around. I don't think they'll have the legs to come back this time around on the road. Jeff Cameron showed out 3-3, Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV, football. We'll talk about it next. Stay with us on a loosey-goosey edition, Libations Friday. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply the jeff cameron show is a production of the warchant.com multimedia network check out warchant.com today for the latest news inside florida state athletics that's warchant.com now back to jeff on real talk Mr. Strummer. It's been a long time. So Bob Paulson's dead, also known as Meatloaf, but I refer to Bob Paulson by Fight Club character. And uh, 
the last last thing of any significance that he did. And uh, he's dead. Louis Anderson is dead, too. That's unfortunate. Tough uh, 10 days for comedians. Really tough year for comedians. I, I, I got to admit, without being cruel, when I saw that Louis Anderson made it, you know, that he that he was 68, I was like, well, it's a pretty good run given my man's size. And he had a serious issue that he, well, he survived kept pretty long for hot, non, like. Yeah, non-lymphobic Hodgkin, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's a shame. Louis was funny and seemed like a tender guy. Had a, had a, had a rough childhood from what I read. He was very good on – it was a short-lived show, but that show, uh, Baskets with Baskets, Zach Galifianakis, yeah, yeah. he was great on that. Didn't he play a woman and, and, and uh, like really well, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. I never saw an episode, and I wanted to because I know he was nominated. I think he won. Yeah, he did. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to see him. But uh, Louis I've, – I've heard, I heard Louis on Marin, and I heard him a couple other places in the last three or four years where he was opening up about his brother's death and his sister's death and his childhood and all that. And you could tell, like, I mean, yeah. Tough go. It seems like there's not one comedian that doesn't have a rough childhood. Well, if you think about the, the, the profession as a whole, you know, you could, you could see where that would be the case. You could see why. And speaking of comedians, I didn't know that Bob Saget's sister, I knew he, I knew oh, he did charity he, work, but well, I didn't know he was. He had nothing tragedy death, uh, tragic death. His whole family. He had two sisters die. One with a brain aneurysm. The other one was uh, the the disease that he uh, ra- was able to raise money for throughout the course of his career. But he had other, he had like two uncles die as well. And I he, he, yes, tough go. Hey, you know what? I, when when Bob died, when Bob Saget died, I was I was kind of sad. But I I you know listen, I didn't, I don't know Bob Saget, but he seemed like a good enough guy. Certainly funny, and I love that his what he was famous for is the antithesis of his comedy, quite the antithesis, but. Uh, you know what I was happy to read? And I hope that you guys someday read this about me upon my death. And not to make it about me, I hope I read it, if you die before me, I hope uh, I read it about your death, or I find out about it at the very least. You know, I read a report yesterday that Bob Saget, you know, he was in Orlando, or was it Tampa? One or the other. Uh, and, uh, and, and so he had played a show on a Sunday, and he was going to be flying back to LAX the next day. I read that when they found him, he was asleep. He was dead in his sleep quietly with the sheets pulled up around his neck, one arm on a pillow, resting comfortably. Man, we should all be so fortunate. Just let the lights turn out, baby. I'm going to bed forever. But, I mean, wouldn't that just be the... That is the way to go. Yeah. That is the way to go. Like, if I'm sitting here mourning your passing, I'll be like, damn, my boy, I loved him. How did he go? Tell me he didn't overdose. I don't. I, the people are going to have the wrong idea about you now. <laughs> not, not again. I knew one of these times it would catch up with him. I kept telling him, "Angel dust is not what you do." <laughs> so many interventions. Bryant writes, "Jeff, I agree with you, but I think we beat the Canes seventy-eight, seventy-five." Okay, well, I mean, if you agree with me that you think we're on fumes and we may not have the legs for it, then you are, uh, you're reaching down deep. You're going to, what a win. I'm not kidding. I think I was, <laughs> yeah, obviously I was elated with the win over Duke. And I've been very impressed with the progress and <laughs> very impressed with, uh, you know, from which we came. 
because this looked like a kind of team. I haven't had to ring that bell for any significant reason. Reasons involving the NIT trolley. I haven't had to do it. Um, but I ring it today just because I've success, you know, we've successfully avoided that conversation with these wins and where we've, where we've arrived at. And I would tell you this, that um, the Duke win was huge. It gave you margin for error, as did the Miami win, as did the Syracuse win. But when you look at just how bad the ACC's been, and a lot of people are rallying with the idea that the ACC could, you know, can we please give the ACC just two bids this year at most? You hear a lot of that. That's resentment. That's resentment. It was not all that long ago, a long ago, a handful of years ago, where we were talking about over half the conference getting, getting into the uh, postseason and dominating the NCAA tournament as they did that year. So I, I get that. That's born out of jealousy. But this isn't one of those years. And, and so I'm really grateful we got the win. Now, I think the ACC will likely get three teams in, maybe four, and we'll see what ends up happening. Um, but I would, I would tell you this that if they somehow win this game in a weird way, I'd be more excited than the Duke win. Because of what, I mean, you want to talk about the chutzpah, the, the, the toughness, both mental and physical toughness that it would take to go down to Miami and get this win. First of all, Miami's only loss in the ACC is to Florida State. They've, they've got to have great resentment for the way that that game ended and the frustration that they, you know, they've lost eight straight to this team. And so, honestly, I would, I would guess we're getting a great effort out of them at home at a time where we're on fumes. And, that, and they're good. They're good. That's the other thing. They're good. So I think all of that adds up to a really difficult proposition. If they go win that game with all of these surrounding circumstances, well, hell, man, Katie bar the door. Who knows what we're capable, you know, capable of at that point. Uh, yeah, Tom Lang has been out all week long on vacation to answer those of you on the chat. My man, Director Matthew, has filled in and done a great job. Tom is, uh, is uh, lubed up on Dos Artes. Probably. Probably. That's my guess. Is lubed up on Dos Artes is the way to describe it. There's another meme. Somebody clip that, please. And, oh, by the way, I'm not going out with the cassowaries while we were talking about death because there's a lot of it uh, going around these days. Uh, No, no, uh, I'm not going out with the cassowaries. Ain't happening. You'll never see me near a cassowary. Ever since I read that story, I was reading stories last night. I I do, people know, and they send them to me. It's one of my favorite things about this job is that, you know, you kind of reveal of yourself and then others in response either... Uh, fuel the fire or they reveal of themselves and you get to know them even better. And then we have, you know, you know, for the most part, uh, some civil interaction or, and or, hey, read this or read that. Well, uh, I, I also like, you know this, uh, anything to do with anthropology or archaeology. I like all that stuff. I love that. And I find myself uh, with basketball in the background this time of year with more time on my hands reading that sort of stuff. And I saw where... Uh, they came up with an animation for uh, what happened uh, from the beginning of the day until 24 hours later, or just just a little over 24 hours later, what happened with uh, Mount Vesuvius in Pompeii and what it would have looked like. And they recreated it, 
and showed you, first of all, it showed you what the, what the city looked like at that time based on what they know now. Uh, and then also what it would have felt like known when people would have known we're in a little bit of trouble here. But by the time they did, they didn't have enough time to ride. And of course, not having cars is a problem. So there's that. But also the, the, the folks in the city did not, did not adhere to uh, what I think would have been a prudent policy, which is if things start shaking, even if it's for five seconds, I've never lived anywhere where earthquake, earthquakes happen frequently. I have a friend who lives in San Francisco, and I always worry about that for her. But I, I, I've never lived anywhere where that, that can Sinkholes all throughout Florida, obviously. Sinkholes, scary. Yeah, but, but earthquakes, no. And my policy would kind of be, I know you can't outrun an earthquake per se, and this was an eruption, but if I were living next to an active volcano and the, the ground in my little hut there in Pompeii kind of shook at about 8 o'clock in the morning and we saw some steam at the very least coming up from off in the distance, I'd be like, we probably got to leave. This doesn't seem like a good day. This seems like a time to travel. A time to go. But a lot of them didn't. And thus, we're lucky that they didn't because now we have their frozen figures in time that we're able to go visit. Isn't that cool? I mean, enough time has passed that we don't have to mourn. <laughs> All right, I promise. NFL next. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chan TV. The Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness, two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road, and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. So, by the way, Ozark back tonight. Boom. I was, I'm pumped. I've seen the first two episodes. You did? Of the new season? You son of This morning, you got up and popped it on? Yeah. Caught me sleeping. I was slipping. I didn't realize I could have pulled it up today. Well, it wouldn't have been fair. My wife was working early this morning. She'd have been livid. Oh, y'all watch- watched it together? We've watched it together from day one. It is a great show. The first two are good. Uh, okay, let's, let's, without ruining it, good, good? Like, oh, yes, or... Okay, we're gonna see where this goes. Well, I mean, it's 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 setting up. Yeah, there's no, no. fourteen episodes in this season. I think mm. it's two parts. The final season. How many do you get right now? You have access to all fourteen right now. No, uh, I think it's seven right seven, now. Seven, and then they're gonna drop the a other couple seven. months. Is the okay. last seven? Okay. So I mean, it's it's setting up stuff, but it's good. I think I know where they're going here. I think I think I have a, a suspicion of where this is gonna go. But I mean, again. We'll, we'll have to well, – I, I, I'm tempted – I don't do the binge thing. I think I'm enough of a boomer, as the kids say, that I don't do the binging. I, don't, well, I, I mean, I have, but I don't like to do that. That's not a proper way to consume things in my mind. And I miss appointment watching. Like, I'm not always – look, I like a lot of things to be on demand. Don't get me wrong. I, th- this is not all of one or the other, admittedly. But do you recall the, the build-up each week to, say, Breaking Bad or the build-up to The Sopranos or the build-up to, you know, like the shows that you love, The Wire, 
those kinds of things where you would say, oh, well, I can't wait till Sunday night, or I can't wait. I, I, I rather enjoyed that. I enjoyed that approach because all week long you would banty about it with friends at work or you're just your friends in general. You'd text back and forth or call each other and talk about, you know, what do you think of this? And you'd have a chance to fully vet and break down episodes, including some of the subtleties and things like that that you don't really get to do if you just go back to back to back to back to back all in one day. Now, I know I'm in the minority on this, and I do like the option, but I, I, I feel like I want to watch one on a Friday night with my wife have a couple of pops and watch that episode, then maybe watch one of the other shows that we're watching, whatever. And then, like, oh, we're going to wait. We're going to wait a few days. Let's, let's let that marinate for a minute. Let's think about that. Let's let that, let's let that sink in a little bit. I know kids today, they sit down, they got to watch everything in, like, six hours or four. That's What are we doing? It also doesn't provide you the time or the proper time to what we used to do. The last show that I was really appointment viewing watching was Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't allow you to bet on the show either, which is what <laughs> I... <laughs> we had gambling pools for the next uh, death on Game of Thrones at school. It was great. Yeah, I forget that you... <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, all those shows you listed, I've I've caught up on and watched, but like The Wire, I was too young. To... Yeah, no, no, that would have been... Well, hell, there were adults who didn't get The Wire, but so yeah, yeah. All right, some of the numbers as we prop bet the weekend and go into these games. For starters, just as a football fan, these are the games that you dream of. In particular, the matchup, I think we all would agree, between Mahomes and Josh Allen. Great piece today by Kevin Clark that I would encourage you to read on The Ringer. Uh, But I wanted to read from that first paragraph because I think he sets it up very well, and it's one of the reasons that I'm most excited. Just as a football fan, not even a gambling aspect. I'll get to the numbers in a second. But did you know this? I didn't until I read this this morning. There have been 19 consecutive playoff games without a fourth-quarter lead change. Damn, man. 19 consecutive playoff games without a fourth-quarter lead change. Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen could be here to help. Sunday will be their second playoff matchup in as as many years. It's the closest point-spread in a game played at Arrowhead Stadium since Patrick Mahomes became a starter four years ago. And the two quarterbacks kind of serve as perfect foils, each with ideal supporting casts, coaching staffs, leading teams that were built for this momentum and their skill set. And it's kind of developing into a perfect quarterback rivalry. You feel like you're going to get this a lot. And currently, you would say that Mahomes has the edge. He's the better player. But when Josh Allen is right and when he plays well, he's as good, if not better, than everyone on the planet. Now, he doesn't do it as consistently, but when he does, that is a unique skill set. And arm strength, very few have ever possessed. And at their peaks, both of them feel like, at least in terms of their offense, Unstoppable. When they're both right and they're both playing really well and they get into a rhythm and everybody's healthy around them, you kind of sense like, well, that, you're not going to stop that. And so it is our great hope as we head into the weekend that we get one of the all-time great games where both of them are that kind of great simultaneously. And if you do get that, if both are at their very best, given how good the supporting cast is, 
it becomes a final possession game. It becomes a game where we get the lead change in the fourth quarter, maybe not once but twice, and then somebody comes back down, he who has the ball last type moment. Somebody's kicking a field goal to move on to the AFC Championship game. And it almost feels like, in a weird way, and I, and I say this with all respect to Tennessee and Cincinnati, which I think is going to be a great game as well, or at least a very good game, it feels like this is, I mean, th- this should be the AFC Championship game. This, in a lot of ways, in many people's eyes, should be the Super Bowl. I don't want to dismiss Green Bay's chances of that or my beloved Bucks, or even the Rams. Yeah, this is eerily similar of when the Colts and Patriots with all the time Brady and Manning. I mean, this should be the Super Bowl. It didn't matter who came out of the NFC. Yeah, and the same used to be true when, uh, when you'd get Steelers and Colts. And, you know, it was always a lot of fun, too. Back in the day, I remember when, when Dallas and San Francisco would square off way back early 90s, you're like, well, this is the Super Bowl. Whoever wins this game is going to go on and beat the Buffalo Bills. (laughs) That's kind of the way that was. And we have wanted, in the crux of the article that I'm alluding to, uh, it gets, it's a very long article, but I I like that opening setting because that's the way I viewed this game. But the other thing is, as football fans, I mean, we kind of, we're always starved for great quarterback rivalries and it's weird because it's the ultimate team game but we all sort of fall victim into wanting Manning Brady and you go all the way back to you know Bradshaw and Staubach and you can keep doing this all the way through up into the modern era we can think of all these great quarterback battles these feuds these great moments or or these guys that were so close but never got there never got over like Jim Kelly obviously is the first that comes to mind because he was so great never got it Dan Marino never got a Super Bowl victory and he was great there have been guys that you kind of just felt bad for you wanted them to keep having their opportunities I mean hell John Elway eventually got his but I mean it took long enough and there was heartbreak and you knew he had preternatural skills and yet his team around him wasn't great that what's different here is that these two teams legitimately have pieces across the chessboard, right? They're, they're good everywhere. Now, they weren't always, and you had moments this year where you'd go, well, I don't know about their offense. Or, in the case of Kansas City, there's a stretch where you go, I don't know about their defense. You kind of had faith that Mahomes would figure out that teams were going to make him take the underneath stuff. Eventually, you would have to just settle in and say, look, man, they're not going to give up the big play to you anymore. You're going to have to be patient. And, I, you know, we trusted that he's smart enough and they're talented enough that that would happen. And eventually it did, and now their offense is clicking. But you needed the defense to come around to have this moment. And the defense has now come around to have this moment. Whereas with Buffalo, a couple of injuries, but also they were wildly inconsistent for a stretch, including the one in which they lost to Jacksonville, where they couldn't, they couldn't move the ball. They struggled to run the ball. They struggled... I thought for a stretch, Josh Allen lost out on some accuracy stuff, and then you kind of wondered, is he pressing? What's happening there? But they both got right at the right time to lead us to where we are now, and now they've never looked better. I mean, those two teams come into this game, and you're like, well, I don't know. You know, this is one of those games where I don't want weather to matter. I want to see teams be able to do at their apex what they're capable of. Your next favorite game on the board. It's also in the AFC, isn't it? If we're just talking about matchup, isn't it Cincinnati, t- Tennessee? Yeah, yeah. They uh, they also said that Henry today is cool. going to start. Yeah, man. I showed my boys the picture of him standing next to Mark Ingram yesterday. <laughs> just <laughs> that, is, that is so wrong. That is so wrong. Look at that pic. If you're on the chat, look at that 
picture. That's Mark Ingram next to Derrick Henry. That doesn't, that's not, no, no. Now picture you're standing at the 50. You are standing at the 50, and he is standing on the goal line. And you look back, the thing of nightmares, and he starts to run straight to you. And you know that running is futile because not only is he that big, uh, he's fast as hell. That's the stuff that nightmares are made of. Dude's that big running like that. What was it he topped out at last year on that long run? 22 miles per hour? Get the hell out of here with that. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the WarChant.com Multimedia Network. Check out WarChant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's WarChant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Can I interest you in any of these numbers? Rush yards with the quarterbacks. Jimmy G, one and a half. Aaron Rodgers, five and a half. Ryan Tannehill, 11 and a half. Give me the over. Joe Burrow, seven and a half. Anything jump out at you with those numbers? How about Tom Brady, a yard and a half? I think I would take the over on all of those, except maybe not Burrow. Okay, so... Burrow, who's been banged up, I doubt is going to be running anywhere. I would be inclined to go under 7.5. Tannehill, I'd go over. He's mobile, and his legs are actually a weapon. Garoppolo, I don't know, man. Maybe running for his life a little bit, but he's banged up too and doesn't really want to run. Yard and a half isn't much. Rodgers, five years ago, would have been an easy over 5.5, but he didn't run much anymore at all. Probably should have last year. Oopsie. Tom Brady's a yard and a half. King of the quarterback sneak. If the Bucks get to the one, would they do it with Aaron Donald in there? Mm. The more intriguing, of course, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. And that is where I find the numbers interesting. Josh Allen is a robust 46.5 yards rushing for this game. Now, this speaks to what the Bills have frequently done, which is incorporate him in designed runs because he's huge. They run power packages for him, and he... I mean, dude's a he's fast. And he's a monster. Patrick Mahomes, the number is 21 and a half. Fun numbers for quarterbacks. I'm still amazed, and I want to give a, a shout out to Florida State's own Cam Akers, who um, we talked about this this week, but it's obscene that a man can come back from an Achilles injury in the same year. It is just that doesn't seem possible, and be effective. His number, and he's sharing time in the backfield, is 45 and a half. Uh, but I just, I, I can't fathom. It is hard to imagine that that guy could look as effective as he had. I mean, just the, the game back, you saw, there was still explosiveness there. It is really hard to imagine, and very, very impressive. I think I'll go under there against the Bucks, but I... Mm, I wonder. I, uh, I, I want to go to passing yards, receiving yards, because it's the more interesting number with A.J. Brown at 69.5 and for Cincinnati's Jamar Chase, 72.5. 
I think I would lean over on both of those. The key to all of this, without telling you guys which to pick, and you guys know this already, tell the story of the game. I mean, this gets back to who you think is going to win and why. And if you're uncertain, then leave it alone. But if you've got a sense of how the game is going to go, then tell the story of the game. If Cincinnati wins the game, you believe it's because Joe Burrow is hitting Jamar Chase on the regular, and those two have been unstoppable together for the better part of this entire season. If that's the case, then you're going to go over Jamar Chase's 72.5. Then you're going to immediately look at Joe Burrow's passing totals and see probably that you want to take the over. If you think they lose this game, if you think Tennessee's defense, uh, defensive front in particular is able uh, to exploit the weakness that is Cincinnati's offensive line and that they're going to get to Burrow, then, you know, Maybe, maybe you're looking a different direction. A.J. Brown is a great player whom very few people can stop offensive, uh, defensively. So I look at A.J. Brown, and I probably think the over there if Tennessee's going to win the game. Although, again, they have the opportunity to go back and run the ball with uh, Derrick Henry, who's a full go. So this gets fun trying to write the stories of the games. And the better the game, the more difficult it is to come with totals for players and for the game. And that's why... I really don't have a ton of action this weekend. I'm going to do parlays, as we've talked about. I'm going to get into, in fact, I made sure that I pulled up the one that I was most kind of interested in here. I've got I, I've got a six-point teaser today where I took the Rams and boosted it to nine and Bills plus eight and a half. To me, that is, that's, that's the one. Can't believe the Rams are underdogs given how beat up the Bucs are. We'll say this, Tristan Wirfs did walk on the practice field today without a boot, helmet in hand. Drugs are an amazing thing. Pain blockers. I mean, it's crazy what they're able to do these days. Uh, High ankle sprains, if in fact that is a high ankle sprain, uh, creates a situation where you're not able to move laterally. Those ligaments, in essence, securing and stabilizing the bones won't allow you because of the pain and because of the weakness to go left or right. He was said to be walking normal. That means he either didn't have a high ankle sprain, but rather a different, you know, if you have a low ankle sprain, something uh, that high ankle sprain keeps people out sometimes for a month. I mean, it's, I've never had a high ankle sprain. My brother did it and I know he couldn't, I mean, he barely could walk for a month. Now these guys are world-class athletes. I get it. And they have access to, uh, it, you know, a lot in terms of medical technology and, uh, and advancements, but goodness gracious. I mean, like, you're not just putting him in a, you know, like in a hot tub and saying it's going to be all right. I mean, goodness gracious. That's a, if, if, if that's a high ankle sprain. So I don't know that that could be the difference of the game, because I think going into that game, you're, you're solely looking at whether or not the bucks can block the Rams. That's what you're looking at. When Tom has time, even with shorted weapons, he will game control it. He will get the ball out of his hands quickly. He will drive people crazy, dink and dunk if he has to, until he can open up the deep ball. But if you can't block it up, and last week, after Wirfs went down, 2.1 seconds to throw the ball. Shortest amount of time of any quarterback in the playoffs post that injury, which happened early. Luckily, the Bucks got up early in that game. Hour number two, fourth coming. Stay with Jeff Cameron, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. <laughs> 